Are you mad at me? My husband asks. I look up from my laptop, blinking at him in bewilderment. What? No. Why would I be mad at you? It's just from the look on your face, he explains. I thought I'd said something to upset you. I'm not upset. I'm not mad. I'm not even mildly ruffled. Honestly, I don't even remember whatever he thinks he may have said that could possibly have caused offense. I've been sitting here, completely contented, reading something that deeply interests me. My interior feels tickety-boo, all fine and dandy. But I understand that, once again, while my attention is elsewhere, my face is doing its own thing. And with every passing year, it seems that thing appears more disapproving, more offended, and madder than a wet cat. Hi there, and thanks for listening to Here's a Thought, the blogcast for people who overthink. I'm your host, Jan M. Flynn, a writer whose brain runs like an overcaffeinated hamster in a greased wheel. If you know what that's like, then you understand that sometimes you need a distraction from those squeaky voices in your head. So once a week, I invite you to take a quick, refreshing break by listening to the ones in mine. So, there are birthdays and then there are birthdays. You know what I mean. The ones that don't just commemorate another trip around the sun, but that mark a passage from one phase of life to another. There's your tenth birthday, when you're edging out of young childhood and you'll never be a single-digit age again. Your thirteenth, when you're a bona fide teenager. Your sixteenth, driving. Your eighteenth, voting, I hope, and maybe leaving the family nest. Your twenty-first, and we all know what that one's about, and hopefully we got through it without losing too many brain cells. After that, it's pretty much up to the decade markers to get you to slow down a minute and see that you're not just passing another signpost on life's journey. You've reached a big old billboard. Adulting is not going away, it might say, when you're 30, or welcome to the Middle Ages when you reach 40. If you've been listening to this show, then you know that I have recently cruised past a billboard that reads, Don't even pretend you're still middle-aged. And like I've said before, I did have some idea that aging would bring changes. I just didn't understand that the front part of my head, the face I present to the world, would decide to wander off down a side path quite without my permission or direction. I'm not talking about wrinkles or age spots. I'm talking about its habitual expression, because mine has gotten really severe, and I don't feel severe. What happened to developing a sweet old lady face? I look a lot like my mother. Everyone who knew her says so. She was a kind, gracious, gentle soul, and as she got older, her face communicated precisely that. She only looked disgruntled when she was, in fact, disgruntled. So, what's with my visage? Why can't I trust my face, when I'm not managing it, to look not disgruntled, but happy, at least calm and serene. I'm hardly ever disgruntled. I'm mostly gruntled. What gives? Honestly, I'm afraid I'm turning into the story lady. I realize that requires some explanation. So back in the 90s, like a lot of moms, I had a small TV in the kitchen so I could watch the morning news, 
while I fixed the kids' breakfasts and packed their lunches before we all headed out for the day. These were the days when network TV was still the boss, before personal screens and YouTube and the general tsunami of video content came at us. On late Sunday mornings, there was no TV news to watch while I was whipping up waffles or pancakes. But there was public access television. One Sunday morning, tired of pallid reruns, I happened upon our local access channel, and there I discovered the story lady. This dear sweet woman, evidently a retired primary teacher, wrote and illustrated children's picture books. She published them herself and read them aloud on Channel 3, which allowed her to share them with entranced toddlers from all over the county for free. I have no idea how large a viewership she had, nor do I know how old she was, possibly younger than I am now, but at the time, she looked thoroughly superannuated to me. I admired her for writing and publishing her own books. I was impressed that she produced her own show, wherein she perched on a garden bench, on a set decorated like a nursery school spring pageant. But what absolutely entranced me about the story lady was the extreme disconnect between her intentions and her demeanor. From the neck down, she looked like anybody's kindly grandmother. But with time, her face had settled into lines best described as fearsome. It wasn't that she was ugly or unpleasant-looking. It was that she always, unfailingly, looked enraged. As her show's saccharine theme music faded out, the story lady would greet viewers in her gravelly voice, glaring at the camera as though wishing to eviscerate all the toddlers in her unseen audience. "'Today I'm reading about the very quiet cow,' she rasped, casting her book a glance like a thunderbolt of fury. "'Sometimes the very quiet cow doesn't know what to say,' she explained, looking like Torquemada contemplating a new method of torture. "'Do you ever feel like you don't know what to say? Yes, I'm sure you do.' At that point, she would don her spectacles, magnifying her eyes as they blazed beneath her stormy brows, and begin to read. Her stories were as sweet and inoffensive as her expression was ferocious. I was entranced. Over the season her show ran, I developed a deep affection for the story lady, underpinned by the jarring contrast between what she so clearly wanted to communicate and her murderous-looking countenance. She made me laugh, and apparently the gods heard me laughing. And for my hubris, they have chosen to avenge my effrontery for giggling at the story lady. Being timeless themselves, they have waited several decades, a blip for them, to encourage gravity to weigh down the corners of my mouth and pull my eyebrows halfway past my eye sockets. Nowadays, unless I'm consciously smiling or at least trying to look alert— my face subsides into its default conformation. To me, it looks way beyond the well-known RBF, or resting bitch face. I think of it as DCF, disappointed crone frown. Perhaps I have indulged in dark or unworthy thoughts over the years, ones that are only now seeping into my skin and rearranging it into a drooping, dispirited, and unwelcoming mask. If so... I didn't mean it, and I don't feel that way at all, I promise. If anything, I'm eager to make friends with almost anyone. I'm a happy person, honest. 
So, if you see me out and about, don't be put off by my DCF. Please, approach. I'd love to say hi, and I look way less scary when I'm smiling. I think. It's just that I'm paying my dues to the story lady. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Here's a Thought with Jan M. Flynn. Hit that plus sign on your podcast app to get these little tidbits delivered to your device every week. And if you'll leave a star rating or a review, that will really help other folks find the show. As a podcast listener, you have a lot of influence. So until next week, may your interior be joyful and fulfilled. May your happy spirit beam through your exterior to light up the world around you. And may all your thoughts be good ones.